0: You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State.
1: Good morning and welcome to the CEO Podcast. This morning, President and CEO Anthony Antone is joined by Samantha Lauterbach our state government affairs senior manager. They're going to talk about the significant wins the GA team earned for our members this past legislative session. We're also going to hear from our government affairs committee co-chairs this morning. You'll also be able to find this wherever you get your podcasts. Just say, (laughs) Hey Siri, play the Washington hospitality industry podcast. Please ask us questions in the Q and a section of your screen, and we will answer them live. Also, Thank you so much to Odesso for sponsoring this podcast. Good morning, Anthony.
2: Good morning, Lisa. Uh, thanks for getting set up. I'll, uh, As always, as we're waiting for everyone to scroll in here, we'll give them a minute. What? I always do a trivia uh, thing to start off the show. What uh, television show was this song from? Real easy one today.
1: It's a long, long wait while sitting in
2: committee, but I know I'll be a long Zog got it right. <laughs> so uh all right. I, I love this the, the schoolhouse rock uh, video as all the songs, but uh grew up with that as a kid. Um, watching that while my parents were still sleeping in the morning because they close down the restaurant at 2 or 3 on a Saturday, on a Friday night, so my sister and I would get up and watch television in the morning until everybody woke up later that afternoon. Um, just part of my insight to my warped upbringing. Um, that being said, uh, you think we've given ourselves enough time, Lisa, for everyone to, to, to log in? Sure, let's go ahead and get going. I, I would love a little feedback from the group um, that is listening Uh, We're getting up to a, a couple of hundred people who are now listening to this as a podcast later and, and uh, is it helpful to keep the live version of this going do you like the ability to ask me questions and interact put that in the chat of or if we just went straight recording is it indifferent to you either way so as we're doing these podcasts and trying to keep you up to speed uh, I'd love some feedback from those who tend to get in here live each each uh, each month um do you like the live aspect uh, and would you ask us to keep it that being said I played I'm just a build not because I'm a nerd well partly because I'm a nerd, but also this is our legislative review uh, podcast. And uh, with me, I have Samantha Louderback. Um, uh, is it okay to call you session Sam publicly? Should I not do that? Sam has this great game face when she's protecting the industry and, and working on it that uh, she cares so deeply about it. We've 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 called that alter personality session, Sam. Sorry, am I going to get in trouble for sharing that, Sam?
0: No, I'm just in a good mood. So Session Sam has been put away. We're a couple weeks (laughs) after Session. She's no longer here. So we've moved past that.
2: Um, Well, with that, uh, Samantha, if you haven't met her, she's our Senior Manager uh, for Government Affairs and has done just an amazing job uh, for us in a lot of segments. In fact, some of the bigger ones we're going to talk about today are going to be involved in her area. So I asked her to be on today. We want to walk through some of the bigger highlights of Session and uh, and make sure that you're aware of some of the work we've done on your behalf and try to tee you up for what's next and answer any questions you have about session so we can put it behind us and then move forward from here. With that, uh, I think I just want to move forward. Sam, let's cover a couple of the 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 bigger issues we face on behalf of all the industry we we work on things that impact different segments but sometimes there's things that impact everyone sam if you had to pull out um one of the bills maybe ui bill what how did how did our work on ui help the industry and what was involved and, and did we win on that one this session yeah
0: ui was a huge victory this session i think as everyone remembered getting their um their taxes last year When the first benefits came out or the first rate hike. This bill essentially capped the social tax at five percent. So instead of every employer in the state having to pay more, this capped it at five percent because of the funds, um, you know, the the fund was overused during COVID, unfortunately, and so we needed to prevent rates from jumping again. So I think this will be, uh, we'll watch the rates this year and see if there's continued work in the future as well.
2: Well, and a lot of times we see the big issues of like grants or this one particular thing. And a lot of people don't even understand the UI and workers' comp system how the, the impact, but that saved the industry 200 million, which individually was probably one of our biggest wins of session, even though explaining the details of socialized tax and other things can be uh, snore inducing. uh, It's real money. So Sam, to you and the GA team, great work on that. Um, I think a lot of people are going to also think about the $300 million in grants that are coming available. Um, Some are specific, some are general, but because of All of them are the most impacted. A lot of them are being available to our industry. So if you read about one, you're like, well, that one doesn't help me. Our hope is that there's enough of a spectrum that we can help a lot of people. But $300 million in grants will be coming available. You're going to hear them about about 34.5 here and 17 here and
3: 25
2: over here and 85 over here and 15 here. Uh, But there's a lot of grant money coming on board. We're going to be doing a lot of work uh, this quarter to try to articulate and make sure we're doing what we can to to help and make that system tough to, uh, are not tough to navigate. Outside of grants and uh, UI, any other broad issue, uh, Sam, that we would want to mention on behalf of the whole industry, not necessarily a specific, specific segment?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one that comes to mind was KEYTAM. I think our members and anyone involved in government affairs over the last couple of years have heard me talk about this every session. Um, luckily, this year, we were able to defeat tam again. As a quick reminder, this bill would allow um, Frivolous lawsuits against employers with workplace safety violations. There's a similar law in California, which we've seen our partners down there uh, face severe consequences. And so we have been fighting it here for the last three years and will continue to educate lawmakers on a better path forward and making sure that our uh, workplaces are safe and our employees are are treated fairly.
2: Uh, Absolutely. And, and, And I'm sure there's someone who's like, they're talking about key Tam and I'm trying to survive my debt right now. This is a major, major bill. So I would kind of become familiar with this one. And and as you talk about dear legislators and community folks, this is one that's going to be with us for a while that we're going to have to be vigilant on. And it's pure dollars wise in a, in a 10 year window, probably one of our biggest wins we've had in, in stopping that thing. The other one I would, there's other ones like paid family leave, which needed to be bailed out this session. So we didn't have massive taxes on on everybody and the data privacy bill, um, and for those of you who have customer lists or other things and exposures on liability on that, the team did a lot of work that if you just looked at the iceberg, you wouldn't know how much was going on underneath the water. Sam, thanks for all your work. Um, just just on those four or five bills alone, hundreds of millions, um, uh, probably a hundred million plus uh, for, for the industry and, and work, so thank you. You
0: know, Anthony, I have to, this is, I did not tee this up, but I just have to thank our members for being engaged. We couldn't do our jobs without an engaged membership who are willing to reach out to their lawmakers and send emails all hours of the night. So we appreciate all of our members.
2: Well, you couldn't tee me up better because <laughs> what people probably don't know is that people think I'm your boss. I'm not <laughs> your boss. It's the government affairs chair. So our government affairs committee is uh, run by three co-chairs, one from each segment. And they're the ones that uh, Sam and, and for you and uh, Katie and Julia and Others you talk to on a daily basis in between government affairs meetings. They set the agenda and you take a lot of direction from them and they put in hours uh, trying to make sure the industry is protected. Um, I did have a chance to interview them. Uh, it's spring break. So the interviews, uh, I won't be able to play the whole things because there were kids and splashing in the background and people getting away. But uh, let's actually hear from our lodging co-chair Uh Tiffany Turner from Adrift Hotels out on the coast about what she would want lodging operators to know about this past session. Lisa, can we play that clip?
1: Yeah, I think uh, just generally how hard uh, the team worked to secure not only the relief that was given, but also the ergonomics bill was really targeted towards lodging. And uh, just the fact that the team worked so tirelessly for the entire industry, hotels and restaurants. We have so much uh, thanks to give the team for uh, the ability to keep the relationships with our legislators and our governors strong, even when it wasn't easy. And so thank you and the team for all the work you've done.
2: Well, I, I think the thanks ought to go to Tiffany as much as I I'm, I'm, I appreciate, Sam, you, your, your team did work amazing. Sam, she mentioned on behalf of lodging the ergonomics bill. And it was funny because earlier this week, I saw a replay of West Wing and and, and, the, and their walk down the hallway. When One of the people said to the other ones, what do you think about ergonomics? And they said, I think that's a silly name. But other than that i don't know anything about it i'm like well that probably describes our average listener now of again what is ergonomics having to do with putting a head in a bed or my costs. Can you give people a quick understanding of why ergonomics was such a huge deal, particularly for lodging this year?
0: Yes. Um, so, this bill would have um, lifted a 20 year prohibition on an ergonomics rule. So, any repeated motion within the industry, so a server on a platter um, or with a platter, excuse me, you can't put a server on a platter.
2: You could. Not anymore. <laughs>
0: ergonomics. Seven um,
2: days, are gone. <laughs>
0: Um, For hotels, like our housekeeping staff. And so what we saw through with this bill, it really um, was narrowed. So it wasn't every industry It was really focused on um, housekeeping and those janitorial services. So and when this legislation was passed in the early 2000s, we had seen Um, a cost of implementing this law upwards of $100,000 to $200,000 per location, because each individual job within the facility would need to have its own handbook on how to prevent these ergonomic injuries. And some of those being um, rotating um, staff, so your front desk could have had to then switch to be housekeeping, your housekeeping would have had to go to front desk to fill the spots and the hours or even um, reduce shifts. So this was a huge win. Uh, We worked tirelessly. Um, We called this the Valentine's Day bill because the House of Representatives went until 6 a.m. the next day um, fighting this bill on the floor. And the the Senate, um, it was a, a battle in the Senate as well. So we are so proud of this win and will continue to work on this um, over the interim, to make sure that we're showcasing that our industry is keeping our uh, employees safe, and how can we do a better job?
2: I also think we learned a little bit. Our, our, our. For those of you who don't know, we have a, a, a task force, a, a committee that just looks at how we do workplace safety standards, uh, mostly for our retro program. I think they have a challenge in front of us on on how we get ahead of this how how we can look at some of the injuries they're putting out as some of the examples. And, and let's take them off the field. Let's figure out how we can give you the ammunition on ergonomics to say, look at all the industries done since you've raised the issue. Uh, therefore we don't need it. I think the other interesting thing on ergonomics was I got a call from a, from an HR person who I didn't, I knew the company, but I didn't know the person who just wanted to thank me for your work. So Sam, I think you spent two hours, two, I mean, two full weeks, 70 hours of doing nothing but ergonomics for like two full weeks. You'll never get those two weeks back. But I just wanted to know, I got a call from an operator who's got a couple of hotels in California and a couple of hotels here, and and she could not have been more thankful for stopping that bill because the cost of ergonomics to her properties in California and time and effort and distraction has been enormous. And so um, it was noticed because I got a random call for a thank you. So good work on that, Sam. I I would say the other thing on lodging is if you got impacted by the Eviction moratorium. Uh, there is grant funding funding on the way, and so that money won't be available until July one. The details of uh, of how that's going to come out is going to be a lot of conversations. So how to document that. Um, But that will be $15 million in relief for those who got impacted by that. I know there's a couple properties at about $100,000 in damage um, from people who they couldn't evict because the government was requiring them to allow them to stay. And uh, so a huge win on that front as well. Sam, early in session, there was, came out of nowhere, a bill to sweep sweep local lodging, lodging taxes. Wow, I couldn't say that a bill to sweep local lodging taxes. And, you know, it happened so early in session, we kind of forgot about it at the end. Mm -hmm. What was that bill? And what would that have done? And- Thank you for stopping it.
0: We see a bill like this every year it feels like, and it's always the first couple weeks of session. So this bill would have expanded the flexibility for what local lodging taxes could have been used for um, in a specific area. This was targeted at the Leavenworth area. So this would have allowed lodging taxes to pay for workforce um, housing, which while we um, support affordable workforce housing, we are always protecting lodging tax dollars, because as we know, we don't always agree with how how that money is being spent as it is. So we were able to kill that bill. It didn't even um, make it out of its hearing without we us being notified that it was gonna be dead. And that really has to be, um, or paid tribute to our members who acted before session even started, called, emailed, signed in, um, Uh, against this bill in the first week of session and so thankfully uh, this one did not pass and we will continue to fight this uh, these proposals as they come up
2: well it's funny someone says describe the life of lobbying or a lobbying organization and how do you describe this bill that comes out of nowhere (laughs) wasn't on anyone's prior thing all of a sudden it was red hot and they're talking about it and four days of your time just stop and we have to do grassroots to protect lock, lodging fund and, and uh, it's like one of those, you just got to roll with that roller coaster of session so nice work on that one. A lot of other lodging wins including money for the convention center. Uh, the data privacy thing would would have been a massive impact to lodging. Um, but if we talk about everything we're going to run out of time let's switch over to quick service uh, and had a great a two-year co-chair for Quick Service, Brian Moreno has um, is a McDonald's franchisee out of Othello. Uh, can we play his clip of what he would want Quick Service operators to know? Sure. I think this is something we're trying to wrestle with across the country and, in, in particularly, in metro areas. Where what is the future of drive-through? What is the future of quick hospitality? Um, which kind of leads me to think more about what's on the road ahead. You know, for the last two years, small business owners in our industry have been visible. A spotlight's been, you know, highlighting our barriers and our challenges and been at the forefront for the first time. How long will that stay in uh, the memory of our legislators, uh, of our community members, and when will we start going back to you know new legislation that does become restrictive? And I think that's to me the biggest challenge. How do we maintain momentum, sustain that, and, and really build that social capital with our community partners? Um, that Brian Marino. He's this is our last. His last year as co-chair. He's going to step up as chair next year, hopefully. Uh, you know, unless <laughs> who knows what's going to come in today's worlds and futures with new COVID stuff. But he's been a great chair for the last uh, two years. Um, the I think you mentioned a couple of interesting things there, Sam. Um, one is the drive-through bill. Mm-hmm. Um, a, can you talk a little bit about that bill and what it would have meant uh, for those who have a drive-through quick service place and yeah. um, and where that ended up?
0: Yeah, talk about a bill that came out of left field. Uh, we were two days before House of Origin cut off, and this bill came up in transportation, which would have required any facility with a drive through or drive up option to also allow multimodal transportation. So pedestrians, uh, bicycles, I like to joke about horseback riding, Um, but we know from an operator standpoint that insurance and liability to allow cars and pedestrians in the same drive through, there's a lot of insurance liability. with with this bill, if you didn't allow that, you would have to um, provide a second drive-through option for uh, multimodal transportation, which we know locally is hard to get permitted and very costly, and so this was really targeted at our quick service style um, restaurant tours. We were able to um, also talk to the prime sponsor and get this defeated, which was super helpful because we um, had talked to a few of you out during that week. I mean, we only had a couple of days to get some information on this bill and to add a second drive through or drive up Lane in a McDonald's, for instance, is over $100,000. And that's after permitting costs and to be able to get it done. So this was a huge victory. Um, We I don't think we're going to see the end of it. But we are working with the prime sponsor to figure out a solution that that gets at his goals and still protects us as well.
2: Uh, I, I Thank you. And thanks for all your work on that one. And I think the the drive-through thing is going to be an issue in front of us for a while. The other thing that, and I'll get to one of Brian's point here at the end, but um, pop syrup just won't go away and yet another year where we had to defeat the the pop syrup bill again. Of all these segments of the industry, that probably most impacts quick service. Impacts everyone a little bit, but as far as pure dollars and percentage of business. um, So great work on the team on defeating that one. And then the other one I'd mention, uh, unless you have one that you'd like to mention, Sam, is uh, is latex gloves. And again, it impacts everyone, but just the amount of turnover and purchasing, I think probably we're gonna have to spend the summer talking about what our long-term answer is on latex gloves. We spend so much dollars on on the uh, the boxes and the cases and the turnover and the time, all that we spend the money. But on top of that, we're throwing all that latex away, and in a state that's supposed to be very environmental, I'd love this to be the summer that we 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 find a solution between the environmental community, the health departments, and us. There's got to be a win-win in here somewhere, doesn't there? Or um, Didn't we allow something in the food code that maybe would be a small solution?
0: Yeah, um, you know, within the food code, it did allow for bare hand contact with ready-to-eat food, but it wasn't um, intuitive. It was really hard to understand. It was really hard to read in the code. So we worked, um, I worked with the Department of Health to get an application set up that really point blank shows an operator what they'll have to do to get approved for a variance for bare hand contact so I would really recommend going to look at our quick bites website that we have on um, hospitality um, website that over that goes over all of the food code changes but specifically around bare hand contact it would be really great to, uh, to get some folks approved with that so we can also um, show we can do it safely, and reduce the waste with uh, with gloves.
2: So if you'd like to stop spending as much money on latex gloves as you're spending in, in any of the segments, Sam is looking to use a couple of you as an example and work with your health department to get you approved. To one, see how easy the approval process is, and then two, um, be able to articulate, this is probably a better way to go. Um, so uh, looking for people who are wanting to save money and protect the environment and be a good example for the industry. Everybody! Call Sam. Um, Sam, just real quickly, there's a question in the box. What was the prime sponsor trying to solve with uh, the drive-through bill?
0: So um, this came because during COVID, there was a drive up COVID line. And because the person was not in a vehicle to get tested, they were turned away. And so this came, unfortunately, one segment, it was a target of one segment, but the way you write a bill would have um, Taken us all out, so we will continue to work on that. I think there have been some bigger issues um, that have been um, brought forward on this around equity and allowing folks who may be in a wheelchair to get the same services. So we're gonna we're gonna work with a prime sponsor, and we've offered to survey our members over the, this summer. So stay tuned for a survey from us.
2: Well, let's switch over to the full service side of our industry, and can we play the full service uh, co chair? As, a, as our new chair this year. So we rotate chairs. So there's always someone who's learning the ropes and someone who gets to show them the ropes. And Steve Hooper was our new chair. He's uh, with Ethan Stoll Restaurants. And can we play uh, his uh, clip about what he'd want full service operators to know?
3: You know, it, it's this was my first year as a, a GAC co-chair uh, and, and Brian and Tiffany were great leaders to sort of coattail off of. So it was great to see them at work and learn from them a little bit. But I think the thing that I, I was struck by was how dedicated, energized, and focused uh, the GAC team is during session. The weekly calls, the in-between times, you know, little things pop up here and there. Hey, we need some help. Hey, we need some support. And it was pretty amazing to watch when we activated different elements of the grassroots it was effective it killed bills in several scenarios uh, there was something on eastern washington around utilizing some of the hotel tax uh to pay for things and that got killed very quickly based on some grassroots support so that kind of stuff seeing that in action during the session Really mattered. So, while I know everybody doesn't have the, the the ability to take a step back and be a part of those calls, it's amazing to watch it happening. first. and then that grassroots effort when they activate it, super effective. So, if people keep doing that, the, the GAC team is going to have a, a, a continue to have successful legislative sessions.
2: Uh, well, um, I've really enjoyed having Steve added to the the co chair mix and 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 all the government affairs committee work. Uh, before we get in, there's a couple of the key wins for a full service. Um, Sam, can you give, I don't I'm putting you on the spot. Give a shout out to Jordan our grassroots coordinator, and and some of the the things you might mention for people to appreciate on on the grassroots work from this session.
0: Yeah, so Jordan has been a great asset to our team, making sure that our members are engaged, getting up to to speed on what the issues are. If there's ever a time that you want to get more involved or want to join a GAC meeting or know what's going on, please uh, reach out to Jordan. She will plug you in with any of your interests or uh, give you an update on whatever our team's working on.
2: And she was just showing me some numbers this morning. Over uh, 440 operators called more than, did more than three things this session to help the industry move forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a lot of grassroots power. That's not even just people who made one phone call. And so I think um, to have someone who's new to the system watch grassroots make such an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I think was really cool for Steve to mention and for us to highlight about how we can keep getting better. And what do we have to do to get these people to understand our industry? <laughs> some of those things we have to do. Um, Sam, uh, just a little bit of time here on full service, and then we'll open up for questions. What would you say With the top win for the full service side was uh, if, from your perspective this session? Well,
0: absolutely. The $85 million in, um, in grant funding to help with RRF, um, lacking that came from the the feds or didn't come from the federal government. So that absolutely number one uh, for full service. I think secondly would be our liquor license, um, the the reduction in liquor license fees. We know that that is a huge expense. um, And so that will um, reduce fees significantly to help us get through, um, you know, what we just experienced and move forward into the into the future
2: well i'm going to keep people question up for question key people up for questions while i talk a little bit more on one other topic. So we're about to go to the Q and A section of our element. If there is a bill you don't not sure that it passed, or where is it at, or what was our position, this is your chance to put me uh, uh, put me against the wall and, and ask me any hard question you want. I'm I'm here to to take accountability or be responsible or answer questions. and Sam can answer questions. <laughs> we'll, we'll go that way. Uh, but I did think it was interesting while people get any questions they might have into um, the chat, Sam. Uh, Brian's comments about the future. Uh, This was probably a time with so many shuttered elements of our industry out there that the attention of how hard small business was hit and how important our industry is to the community and just the feeling of having community and hospitality. Um, do you believe it is possible to build on that and, and continue that understanding? Or is this a high point because of the new circumstances and we're going to be more under attack like we were in seventeen eighteen 18, come in the future?
0: I think, uh, you know, we are expecting a high turnover in law with lawmakers, but anyone throughout the pandemic has recognized what um, a key position our industry has in each community. It's where you host your family dinners, it's where you host weddings, it's where you get to go stay and relax somewhere else. And so regardless of new lawmakers or not, everyone has felt the impacts of what our industry has um, had on its community. And I think moving forward, this will be an awesome opportunity just to continue to build on that and um, how we really make a difference. I think, um, to for instance, local nonprofits, our industry probably are one of the biggest um, donators to nonprofits and local organizations. And of course, during COVID that's had to halt. So I think that we have, um, while COVID has been unfortunate, it has put us in a position to continue to build on this momentum of look at how awesome we are and what great things we do for our community.
2: hundred, a hundred percent agree on this. This is a chance to, to talk to people this summer. We still have a huge, we still have massive headwinds. Um, even though it's going to look like we're full, um, the debt was real. <laughs> we're not operating at full operations on a handful of nights or, or otherwise, because we we don't have uh, the workforce we need. I just saw that, Tim, I don't even know if I shared this with you, That the data came out from uh, uh, ESD this past month. Seattle Lodging is still down 50% of its workforce from January, 2020, five zero. Um, and while that's the highest level of any of the impact and, and Seattle Lodging is going to be Maybe the largest way to come back, it just where we're at and how we're doing. It's, it's a struggle. So Lisa, have any questions come in either now or earlier in the process um, that uh, that we should answer?
1: No, it looks like you guys are doing a good job of covering everything.
2: Well, hopefully that means we nailed everything. Um, if you joined the podcast late, um, I would love feedback. We're getting um, a core group who, who ask questions, and then we're getting the number on our, on our podcast replays is really... Uh, jumping up. I think we're over a couple hundred. So um, we were debating, is live helpful or just simply uh, should we move to the other? So I I think I saw a lot of things early on that they're liking the ability to ask questions if they have them. But if you didn't get your two cents in here, please drop that in. Lisa, if someone is driving and when they, and they want to follow up on a question, how can they ask questions later? They
1: can email us at podcast at wahhospitality.org. We also have a question that's just come in from Peter Frazier. He says he is so thankful for the work you've done for us this session. He appreciates your tight focus on our industry. With that said, The biggest issues we're facing as hotels in in Bellingham are policing issues and behavioral health issues. Signs of chaos are everywhere and creating unfriendly environments. Is this something that you are going to address? Peter, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) Great question. (laughs) It is a great question.
0: Yeah, Vicar. There were several bills that passed last session, not this session, last session, that really um, that the the police officers and the police um, organizations felt like their hands were tied on doing things. Since then, some changes have been made. I'm not sure if they have been. Um, implemented, but we definitely followed those bills this session and offered our support as and where we could um, because of the GAC and that interest in making sure something passed um, to help that type of situation. So if there are more specific issues to Bellingham, how about you and I touch base offline and so I can get a better scope on what's going on and maybe this is something that we can help address locally as well. We're, we're happy to help um, be a conduit between Um, our our connections and and whatever's happening locally
2: and Sam something you you may not know um, because you had session going on but (laughs) at our last board meeting it was actually raised that we're so involved in operational issues how do we involve in for lack of a better term and I'll come up with a better term another day the social issues um, homelessness safety policing mental health housing all of a sudden we're dealing with issues that really we're equipped to deal with UI and workers' comp and wage and liquor control board. And so um, the board was ready to tackle that as one of their big topics at the May meeting. And our government affairs director Julia Gordon said, "Let me do a task force on GAC first and talk about how we address these issues that historically um, we as an association haven't looked at." But you know when you have someone come in and stab the person at the front desk, which it happened. It wasn't even a robbery when you have um, guests who are writing horrific reviews because of, uh, some homeless issues nearby or safety issues and other concerns, what is our role in that as an association? How do we look at that? How do we we adjust? And it's community by community. I think there's some really big questions, Peter, that you're raising. And I'm glad you asked that because I think Julia wants to put together a task force this summer and start thinking through how our association might or might not be engaged in that. And what is our line in the sand? So, um, Sam, now that you have uh, Peter's number, um, if Julia's trying to figure out who wants to be on that workforce later, we, maybe we can talk to him about that. Sounds
0: like Peter just volunteered.
2: See, <laughs> that's what you get for asking a question. I'm, I'm just being a smiling like Peter. You don't have to. Sam, thanks to all of your team. Uh, so appreciate your work. All the grassroots, 440 people who called on a bill. You made a difference. Um, And with that, I think we'll have one last question. It looks like I'll hit pause on my annoying video in the background. Because while I thought (laughs) I was being clever, that didn't quite work. um, What was the last question that came in?
1: Yeah, Lisa Poole has one question about uh, the timing of when the full service grant will be accessible to operators. Well,
2: one is not full service grant, uh, to be clear. All of these grant fundings, uh, let me try to answer the whole grant question. And it's one I now know in the moment, but this is a pretty fluid timeline from the, from the people I know that I talk to. The Working Washington Five grant will likely be available in uh, that June-ish timeframe. That's about 25 million for those who will not qualify for the other grant. The specifics on who will be eligible will be still outcoming. I don't know the answers yet. But if you did not qualify for Restaurant Revitalization Fund, meaning you applied and you didn't hear anything back or you got denied from a qualification standpoint this 25 million comes out now is where i would be prepared to apply the 85 million and the 15 million and the 30 million and the 34.5 million all those other grants the money's not going to be available until july 1 department of commerce just like the hotels and the restaurants and retail and and now i'm learning airlines are short you know, a good 10% of their workforce. So they have got a lot of grants to put into apply. It'll be no earlier than July 1, but if they can't get the staffing and or support they need, it wouldn't surprise me that that slid maybe into August. I would keep listening to the podcast and, uh, and watch your notices and keep in touch with your territory manager. As soon as they come available, you're probably going to get an email from your territory manager saying this is open. And that as we know which ones you qualify, we'll probably, uh, like we did in prior grants, be giving you a call. So if you if you don't know who your territory manager is, or you're like, I never got a call from anyone, that's a problem on our end. Let us know and we'll do an introduction.
1: All right. Well, thank you both so much for this uh, podcast and your time this morning. Um, we want to thank Adesso one more time for sponsoring us. And thank you all for attending uh,
2: by the way just quick plug but really important if you don't know what a deso is or you didn't get ERTC funding that's that's a lot better than the grant money we have coming on board so minimally i hope you've really if you if you haven't even heard of ERTC or like yeah i heard you mention on last time that is a good program that the federal government put out and a deso can help you walk through it so um, that's one I, I just want to be excited about and hope that you took the time uh, cuz that's it's a real relief real good uh, real good support. So, all right. Thanks, Adesso. Thank you, Sam and all your team. You guys are amazing. Bye everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.